Coming up, a conversation with Glenn Carlson, candidate for an at-large seat on Colorado Springs City Council. This is 6035 Media. Casting an informed vote is your right and your duty as a citizen. I'm Brian Grossman, executive editor of 6035. And I'm Shelley Roars, spokesperson for the League of Women Voters of the Pikes Peak region. We're teaming up to bring you conversations with the candidates in the April 2023 Colorado Springs City election. So this interview is both an episode of the new 6035 Vote podcast. And the League's Making Democracy Work podcast. So let's get to it. We're going to start with any remarks from Glenn Carlson, a at-large city council candidate. Go ahead, Glenn. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here, guys. Um, yeah, as uh, as mentioned, my name is Glenn Carlson. I am a uh, I was born and raised here down south. Actually, grew up in Widefield, uh, where most of my family actually still lives. Um, and um, yeah, so um, I've uh, I, like I said, born and raised here, and um, went to school at Mesa Ridge. And then uh, on the last day of the application was due, um, due to my mom begging me, I applied to Colorado College, got accepted, uh, got a full-ride scholarship, and eventually got an economics degree from Colorado College. Um, after that, um, I got a job in Denver uh, working for uh, actually Colorado's largest company, Aero Electronics, uh, managing a several hundred million dollar uh, portfolio of global business. And so that was uh, just an incredible experience, uh, aside from the commute. Um, <laughs> and about that, uh, kind of towards the end of that, my wife and I uh, had started uh, started our own business as well. Uh, we have a massage therapy business, and uh, this is our 10th year in business, uh, actually. And so we've got two locations, about 30, gosh, I think 35 employees now. We're, we're still trying to hire as quickly as possible. And so... I guess that would be a snapshot of maybe my uh, early life, education, career, um, among other things. Um, but, uh, you know, Colorado Springs is obviously home. I've been lucky enough to to travel uh, to a lot of great places uh, for work. And so I've gotten to experience a lot of great places. And, and I've had opportunities to leave, and I've never pulled the trigger. And the more I thought about it, the more uh, it just really cemented the fact that I just I love Colorado Springs. This is home for me. Um, everything that I'm passionate about that I do uh, is you know, right in our backyard. So we're incredibly lucky. And so, yeah, this is home. Um, I volunteered here, uh, very active in parks, trails, open space efforts, uh, very active in the local business community, helping fellow entrepreneurs um, and, you know, just generally um, – uh, just staying active in the communities for as long as I possibly can. Okay. Uh, Glenn, let's get to some specific questions. Uh, let's start with water and development. Uh, this was just decided yesterday by city council. What's your stand on the 128% water rule for extending water and other utilities to flagpole annexed developments? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, especially, gosh, the last couple of years, we've seen just uh, an explosion of development all over the city. Um, and so I think uh, it's on everybody's radar. Um, water is also on everybody's radar. We're kind of wondering, where is it coming from, right? Where are we going to get the water to supply Colorado Springs? And that's a great question. Um, on the surface, I think a lot of people think the 130% ordinance um, was kind of random and kind of brought out of thin air. But it actually was not. There is data between uh, 
data to support the uh, acre feet of water that we get currently, um, what adding new communities would do and how it would impact that water that we currently are allocated um, and the buffer in between that, which if we were to annex this new area uh, down to the southeast, um, puts us dangerously close to the buffer, as I understand it, um, and not really a favorable position. And yes, in the lower part of the basin, we do have water rights. We've, we've you know, worked on that for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as most of you guys may know, it's wildly complicated. Um, but the upper part of the basin where we're really seeing the trouble, you know, Lake Powell, Lake Lake Mead, uh, the federal government could curtail that flow at any time if it needed to, especially since uh, they're struggling to generate power now because the water levels are so low. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, where the water comes from is is wildly important. Um, I think kind of a a byproduct and something that I focused on or would like to focus on is the water that we currently get and how much we actually waste. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a good question that we need to start asking as well. And, you know, maybe we need to tailor um, uh, some of our guidelines and, uh, you know, watering restrictions and things like that to Mm -hmm. really watch what we waste. Yes, sir. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of an offshoot of that question regarding it is one of your big one of our biggest issues in our community. Um, I guess I'm going to twofold it, right? With regards to waste, you mentioned the waste. Um, that to me is kind of how do you how do you go about dealing with waste? Number one, and should the city consider extending water and or other utilities to subdivisions located outside the city that might never be annexed as part of a regional as part of being a regional water provider? Yeah. So the first part of your question uh, regards to the waste. Um, I'm generally just not a fan of wasting anything, whether it's energy, water, money, take your pick. Um, uh, So it's something I focus on. You know, so uh, I was lucky enough to do a really good tour with Colorado Springs Utilities uh, a couple years ago, and it was very eye-opening. And oddly enough, 78% of our water goes to landscaping, which is mind-boggling. And most of our water comes from over 100 miles away. And so I think that... um, in and of itself is is kind of fascinating, but I don't think a lot of people know that. And um, and so you know, better better guidelines and better code uh, as to you know median size and what we can put in medians and how much water we can allocate to stuff like that. I think there's lots of little bites of the pie that we can take uh, before we you know try to boil the ocean, so to speak. And that's a really poor water pun, but. Um, <laughs> Um, I think there's lots of little things that we can do. And generally what we've seen, um, you know, and it, growing up here, I've, I'm starting to see the trend of people that are starting to xeriscape too. Mm-hmm. Not because they were forced or not because it was a fad, but having a big green yard, although great, is expensive and a waste of water. And so while I'm not going to tell anybody not to have a nice yard, um, I think a lot of people are coming to that realization on their own. Um, and so I'm not sure if that answers your question fully, Shelley, but I think there's a lot of little things we can look at, uh, and it's going to be detail-oriented work, no doubt about it. Um, the second part of that, of yep. providing water? Oh, yep. Yeah, so the second part, if you look – thanks, Dave. Uh, if, you, if you look at the map of that requested annexation in the southeast, um, not only is it not contiguous to the city's current boundaries, but it's really not even close. <laughs> 
Um, and so, you know, in my mind, yeah, there's legal stuff behind this, and we all know that. But um, in my mind, in the, you know, what I call the progression of a city, it's, it's a term I like to use, you know, to kind of help me understand things. Um, I'm just not sure it makes sense. Um, and, and that development um, could get water from fountain, as I understand it, but don't really want to do it for various reasons. And regardless of whether or not I agree with those reasons, I just don't think developments like that, uh, f- you know, kind of fit what we're after. And it's not, it's really not just even water, too. Um, you know, the police and you have to think about fire. Um, and then the economics behind it, from my research, don't seem to make a ton of sense just yet. And so, you know, if we're talking about anywhere between 160 to $200 million of infrastructure to take water out to that community, I'm just not sure the math even makes sense in either direction for the city or the developer. And so, um, you know, we do need to work regionally. We know that water rights are wildly complicated. And so um, it's, if you don't have the water, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. And so you better stay in front of it and make sure you're planning and doing it correctly in the first place. I think that's back to me. So we'll change course a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you stand on accessory dwelling units being allowed in single-family residential areas? So uh, I'm generally in, f- uh, in favor of you know, the pro- personal property rights. And if somebody wants to have a small dwelling um, you know, in their backyard, um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to it. Um, where I do think it can get a little reckless is uh, if, an, if it starts to destroy or eat away at the integrity of a neighborhood. And something you guys will hear from me a lot is neighborhood and communities. Um, they are ultra important. They, are, they, are, they make up the identity of a city, right? And so um, if ADUs were to get out of control and all of a sudden you've got cars coming and going, and, and I think Manitou sees this uh, quite a bit, um, then all of a sudden it's a problem that you may have not foreseen that now you're going to have to deal with. And so generally for it, but something you have to keep an eye on. Okay. Thank you. Shelly? Yes, sir. Um, so somewhat along the lines of um, housing, how do you propose to address the city's affordable housing costs? Yeah. Crisis, so, so, excuse me. How do you propose to address the city's affordable housing crisis? Right. Um, uh, you know, luckily or unluckily, it's uh, it's not a problem that's exclusive to Colorado Springs. Uh, it's kind of a nationwide problem that that we've seen, and it's really twofold. Um, you know, I do think the city and the county can do things to uh, incentivize builders to make you know m- more affordable housing, lower income housing, because the math has to work either way if you're a developer, right? Um, and so you have to work on that aspect of it. The second piece of that, which I think is more uh, almost of a macroeconomic thing, um, is uh, we've just seen runaway inflation. And, you know, a lot of that's due to the pandemic. A lot of that's due to stimulus money or whatever reasons you think. But, uh, you know, when lumber went up to – when a two-by-four went up to $10, that's problematic, right? Thankfully, it's coming back down, but we have to get inflation under control. Um, I think uh, increasing the interest rates – will cool off housing quite a bit. It's already, it's already shown that effect. Um, and, and I think the best way to achieve, you know, affordable housing and not run away housing prices um, is to be very, and this is at the federal level, be very judicious about, um, about moving interest rates. Mm-hmm. 
And I really think that's the primary driver. Okay. Uh, public safety. Police department is short 70-ish officers from its authorized strength. Uh, how would you address public safety needs? Yeah, public safety is uh, incredibly important. Um, and, you know, as we, uh, oddly enough, you know, just, again, growing up here, um, seeing it go from what I call a town into a city with kind of big city problems now, property theft, uh, crime, you know, stolen cars, uh, you know, all this stuff that we really didn't see a ton of, um, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, the latest budgets uh, did ask for um, an increase in, you know, law enforcement officers, and I'm, uh, I'm definitely supportive of that. And so, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think, there, I think there's that aspect of it, having more uh, more patrolling um, and more police on the streets is is good generally, um, but I also think there are other things that we could do. And I went to a great Crime Stoppers forum last night where the chief of police spoke, the sheriff, uh, um, our district attorney, and a couple of great experts on crime in general. And um, you know, we think about the number of assaults in the city, right? And it's gone up. Well, our population's gone up, so you would think that would go hand in hand, um, but a number of these assaults are um, where uh, a potential crime, like somebody's taking something out of the back of your truck or out of your house, for example, um, the, the the criminal and the victim are meeting at that incident, mm-hmm. and then it turns into an assault, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I don't know the exact term for it, but I, in my head, it's, it's kind of follow-on crime. Um, and so I think that's something that we've got to continue to address. Um, we've got to continue to uh, expand homeless outreach. Um, you know, and then, um, cleaning up the camps and getting the, getting the needles out of there, I think is great work. Um, this fentanyl problem is a huge issue and it's leading to a lot of these, this additional crime that we're seeing. And so that's something we need to focus on as well. So I guess as a candidate, sir, the League of Women Voters has a vote 411 portal where you will be getting a, a list of questions that are pretty basic questions for us, which is why we don't jump into those, you know, what are your top three priorities? Mm-hmm. What experience do you have? Because no offense, those should be on your website and those should be kind of in that vote 411 portal that we use as the League of Voters across the country. So our questions are pretty specific to each of you that are not those generic kind of basic questions that everybody asks of you as a candidate. Um, you're homeless. You just mentioned the homeless, expand homeless outreach and get the needles out. You know, we've got a lot of mentally ill people that are homeless. Um, and it has nothing to do with drugs at all, but whether it's their status as PTSD veterans or whether or not they Mm -hmm. should really be in a mental home and their families cannot take care of them for whatever reason that, you know, it's not just an easy kind of fix destroying camps or moving them from one place to another. So my question to you as a candidate is, how do you do you have any kind of ideas or a plan on how to address our homeless issues and mm-hmm. and not just about the drugs that are in the camps, please? Yeah, no, that that's a great question. Um, yeah, homelessness uh, is a multifaceted issue, right? You've got folks that uh, have had uh, an emergency, the the death of a spouse, the loss of a job, some kind of tragedy that has made you know uh, made them homeless. Um, and then you've got addiction issues and mental health issues as well. That requires a completely different approach and solution to the first one that I just mentioned. And so, yes, uh, you know, sadly in this country, our healthcare system is not set up and funded 
um, to to handle this stuff at scale. Um, and I think that is is kind of an overarching problem uh, that we have to work uh, against, so to speak. Um, but uh, to, you know, if you want to go into the details, um, I think a lot of the public-private partnerships that we've had recently, uh, the Rescue Mission and Grecio and folks like that, that are that are um, are providing great resources to tackle this stuff alongside of the city resources. Um, I, I think that model um, has shown some progress, and I would love to double down on that honestly, and and uh, take it even further and see what, how else we can be effective. Um, you know, getting people. Um, Getting people treatment, um, but then also getting them uh, getting them healthy and confident and on the job or not on the job, but you know job training and education and stuff like that is is important. And then they've got to go on to that next step to where they can kind of reintroduce themselves into society, if you will, and not simply here's a bed, um, here's a couple of nights. Um, you're probably you know. Um, you know, then you're, then you're kind of forced right back out onto the street and then it's rinse and repeat. And so, um, it's a, it's a hard, complicated process. Um, and so I think we've got to double down on some of our current efforts that are working and obviously look to other cities and see what they're doing and see if there's things that we're missing or, or bad assumptions that we're making as well. Thank you. Uh, Glenn, do you foresee asking voters for any additional taxes or fees? And if so, for what purpose? Um, not currently. I don't, there's nothing that stands out to me, um, uh, in terms of additional, additional taxes. Um, we passed PPRTA this last year. That's great. That's, that's been uh, a godsend for infrastructure roads. Um, you know, we've got stormwater that addresses some of that. Um, on the April ballot will be the TOPS initiative. It is incredibly important that we get that passed. Um, uh, it doesn't increase the tax, uh, the sales tax that goes towards our parks, but you know we've got um, uh, we've got city parks budget, county parks budget, and then we've got tops, which attempts to uh, fill some of that gap. But um, uh, I think I think we're still underserved in that area, and it's something that I'll continue to focus on and support. It's likely the number one reason that people love to be in Colorado Springs anyways, is access to our great outdoors. So I'll always focus on that. Um, but back to your original question, uh, additional taxes, no, I don't see anything that's that's front of mind for me. Okay. Thank you. Shelly? A couple of things that are very much uh, issues for the League of Women Voters, we've been talking about the, this one in particular for quite a long time, is city council pay. City council pay is... I, I guess the only word for it with my autism is it's awful. Um, the amount of work that is required is um, it doesn't compensate. You're not compensated enough for with, with, with regards to what you, what we expect you to do as city council members. How do you feel about increasing city council pay? And um, I guess the people who are against it, um, if you are one of those against it, why are you against it? And if you're not or are in support of it, how do we accomplish getting city council paid better? Yeah, because yeah. really, it's really only for retired people who can't afford it. No offense, but it's not inclusive to all. Yep. No, you bring up a good point. Um, uh, for me, there's really kind of two two points to this. Um, city council is something that I've been interested in. It's complex, interesting, valuable work. And so 
I have kind of worked towards the opportunity to run for city council and, you know, take on that additional workload in addition to operating our business and be able to survive. Um, not everybody can do that, right? Most people can't afford $6,250 per year, won't even pay for the gas to, the go, to go to all the meetings. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth. Uh, city council pay, um, you know, t- to have a city council person make decisions on, uh, on developments that are hundreds of millions of dollars, um, uh, that's pretty important work. That's critical work. And, uh, and so uh, the $6,250, uh, I'm not doing it for the money. I know that. <laughs> um, I do want to see it bumped up. Um, that being said, I don't want to see it bumped up to where it's this big obnoxious number that now people are all of a sudden interested in city council uh, to, because the pay is nice and oh, it's a great stepping stone for my political career and I can do things with that pay. Um, so I do want to see it bumped up. You know, what is that number? I don't know. Um, you know, uh, a third or a fourth of the mayor's pay has been floated around. And I think, what is that one? The mayor's pay is around 120, if I remember right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if, if city council pay was, was 30K a year, I think that at least helps pay for some of the gas and some of your time and effort to go to a lot of these meetings um, and, and do a lot of this work um, while, while, kill, while still making sure that if somebody wants to be on city council, their motives for doing so are still true. Long answer to a short question. <laughs> okay. Uh, Colorado Springs residents have discussed for some time detail emergency evacuation planning. Uh, this was particularly acute on the west side for obvious reasons um, as it relates to wildfire. So is this something that you would consider addressing as a council person? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I live on the west side, so I live in um, a wildland urban interface, or you may hear it called WUI. The WUI. The WUI, yeah. Um, and as, you know, uh, the entire west side of our city um, um, is in a WUI, right? And so this is important. Evacuation ta- uh, concerns were – that wasn't something we were ever worried about when I was a little kid. It just wasn't really a thought. Um, but, you know, our forest has dried out, and so wildfires are a threat. And so as we saw, and I live in Mountain Shadows too, and so it, it, it hits close to home. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you all of our, all of my neighbors are concerned about things like that. And so um, I do think we need to take a, a long, hard look at things like evacuation times, um, putting, um, uh, well, they have put resources into place to do some, uh, um, you know, forest clearing and things like that. And the fire department's doing great work in that area. Um, and so, yeah, I do think we need to study it. Um, there's a number of uh, folks out there, uh, mainly I think from the educational area, that have studied it and they have put models in place. And we should be looking at that mm-hmm. and understanding, you know, is this accurate? Is, it, is the data good? Can we – does it work? Has it been uh, actually – is it tried and true anywhere? And so, yeah, I think that's important. Okay. Uh, as I – Pass off to Shelly. Uh, it looks like we're uh, just about wrapping up here. So I think if Shelly asks one more question, we'll give you a couple minutes to mm-hmm. give us your final thoughts and, and that'll be it. So go ahead, Shelly. Yes, sir. So another league question um, specific to the league. Um, I'm not sure if you are aware of the Harvard Law Election Clinic lawsuit specifically designed, um, specifically drawn up to um, change our municipal elections from the spring to the fall in, in hopes of obviously 
increasing voter turnout based on the data. Um, how do you feel about that lawsuit? Uh, so I, I do I do know of the lawsuit. Um, I don't know a lot of the intimate details of the lawsuit. Um, I think you could I think you could make arguments for and against that. Um, yes, you'll get a higher voter turnout. Will you get um, Will you get higher uh, involvement and knowledge of local issues, or will they get drowned out? And yes, their turnout's greater, but um, uh, but the elections aren't. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Maybe the voters aren't as informed about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the voters are just not informed because uh, they're caught up in you know our national politics. Which, let's be honest, uh, <laughs> in November when they spend hundreds of millions of dollars to clog up your to clog up your mailbox and clog up your airwaves, I don't see how somebody that wants to do important work on city council can compete with that. Mm-hmm. And so again. Um, I believe local politics, uh, you know, uh, our county commissioners, the mayor, city council members, et cetera, have an immediate effect on the people uh, in our region, mm-hmm. right? And you can see that every day. And so that's important. It should be focused on. I don't want that to get drowned out by moving it to November. And so is it cost prohibitive to do it in an off cycle in April for the city? Yes. Do we get some lower voter turnout? Yes, but I, you know, again, I think the, I think there's value to also having a little bit of focus. These are local issues, mm-hmm. and the people are that are voting and tuning in, um, hopefully, have focused on them at that time. It just goes back to local, right? Uh, those are local positions. They need they need local focus. They need their own attention. All right, uh, Glenn, do you want to give us two minutes of a wrap up here? Why why should voters vote for you? And is there anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to address? Yeah, so I, I appreciate this time. Um, I'm looking forward to the campaign process. Uh, a lot of people have asked why why in the world would you go take on an additional forty hours for six thousand dollars a year and go <laughs> through the campaign process and knocking on doors and um, uh, but you know I it sounds cliche but this this it's this is home. Um, um, I'll probably never leave Colorado Springs, even if uh, the thought sounds tempting at times. And so um, I like complex work. Um, I like being involved. And so, um, you know, I'm really focused on it from that standpoint. I love our natural habitat. Um, and so I really want to focus on um, making sure that our park trails and open spaces are not only preserved, but expanded. Um, and so we can do a better job in that. Um, you know, we, every every person running for office talks about the economy, and yes, it's a no-brainer, right? Everybody, we want a thriving city that that has opportunity for 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 everybody. Um, but I do think we've seen examples of where, when the economy gets too hot, things get a little, a little out of control, and then all of a sudden, a carton of eggs is ten dollars, and uh, you get your property tax bill because your house is worth more on paper, and then all of a sudden, uh, you really get squeezed, and so. Um, you know, I think um, economic issues are super important to me. I'm an economics major, and so I have background in that, small business as well. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I you know, appreciate your support. Um, I ran last year, and I think, I, uh, you know, I had a lot of supporters, and I'm looking forward to kind of building on that and, and really focusing on making a difference in the springs. All right. Well, thank you, Glenn. I appreciate you you being here. Uh, You've been watching or listening to a joint podcast effort by 6035 Media and the League of Women Voters of the Pikes Peak region. 
Be sure to follow Making Democracy Work and check out wvppr.org for more information regarding our candidate forums in March. Or check out 6035 Vote to make sure your vote is an informed one. This podcast is produced by Dave Gardner. Video is directed by Nick Raven. I'm Brian Grossman, executive editor. And I'm Shelley Rohr, spokesperson for the League of Women Voters. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Dave Gardner. And I'm Nick Raven. We're the podcast producers here at 6035 Media. 6035 Vote is just one of a growing family of hyperlocal podcasts that we're creating. And these are for you, someone who wants to engage fully in your community. We've got the 6035, which is a quick, lively recap of the top news stories of the week. It's my favorite. It's really great and often funny. I love having you as a guest, actually. I do, too. And then we have Hot Takes and Stream Breaks, which is a potpourri of news and commentary about movies, gaming, TV, streaming, and just so much more. It's for youthful heart and you know, that could be anyone, really. Yeah, I'm surprised I even really enjoy it because Nick hosts that and uh, he's he's witty. Well, and the cool thing is that you can watch both of these podcasts on YouTube. Or you can listen to them on the go in your favorite podcast app. And there's a couple more, uh, but you can also visit 6035media.org slash podcast to see them, browse them, sample them. And then subscribe to the ones that you like. And then subscribe to this YouTube channel. Yeah, and if you really love it all, like we do, uh, you Which can just you can just subscribe to the sixty thirty five podcast network podcast, which is a conglomeration of all the episodes, all the brilliance and humor that emanates from the studio. Absolutely, and there's a lot of it. So like and subscribe today, and go listen to them all or watch them. What he said. Good. Thanks. Got it. That wasn't so painful.